Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some Super Bowl-style fun in store for you today, as well as a platform that allows for your statewide and beyond participation by phone. We call it best and worst of the weekend. Y'all know who got a lot of votes. The Kansas City Chiefs. They had not won the NFL's championship, regardless of its name at the time, in a half century. I was there a couple years ago when my hometown Philadelphia Eagles finally got their first Super Bowl after a lifetime of waiting. Chiefs fans get a parade on Wednesday out in Kansas City, Missouri. We have time for your best and worst of the weekend. What was the best Super Bowl ad that you saw? What was the worst Super Bowl ad that you saw? The Chiefs led by Andy Reid, their universally respected head coach and their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the league last season, the MVP of the Super Bowl this year. That puts him in some rarefied air, especially for a guy who has not yet turned 25 years old. Although he was the MVP, there were many more Chiefs to celebrate. Although Mahomes was that good, I don't think necessarily Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shanahan or other 49ers qualify as a worst of the weekend, but we will accept your calls. We will take your best and worst Super Bowl ads. We will take your best and worst Super Bowl on the field offerings. J-Lo and Shakira, the halftime show. Man, I knew we were a divided nation, but I didn't know we were all so divided on J-Lo and Shakira at halftime. Half the people I know called it one of the greatest halftime shows they've ever seen. I don't know if it was the other half, but many I know described it as some kind of unacceptable terms where moral decency was the phrase of the day. If you have a best or worst of the weekend from Super Bowl ads, Super Bowl anthem, Super Bowl halftime, and the Super Bowl itself, of course, you can chime in today. Three-hour show allows for your participation. We have fewer guests on Mondays and Friday when we play that goofy free-for-all Friday game. We will have today Al Wallace who played for Andy Reid at the NFL level. He's a former Eagle. He's a former Carolina Panthers defensive end, a former guest on our show. Al Wallace is going to drop by to talk NFL and the Andy Reid angle and the Chiefs angle and the 49ers angle and even some Carolina Panthers given the time that he wore that uniform here in our backyard. We have college basketball on our mind as well. Best and worst of the weekend votes hit my inbox. The Wolfpack, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech all had opportunities for resume builders against the best teams in the ACC, all on their home courts. So it was Duke visiting Syracuse. It was Louisville visiting NC State. It was Florida State visiting Virginia Tech. So the home underdogs were the ones that really needed the wins. Now, the road favorites certainly didn't want to lose, but they're battling for, like, one seeds and two seeds in the NCAA tournament, those three schools. They could have afforded a loss. The home underdogs went 0 for 3 in those games. I don't think they were all worst of the weekend, but Wolfpack whacked by Louisville 77-57. Virginia Tech pretty convincingly trounced by Florida State. 74-63 was the final. Syracuse put up a great fight 
at the Carrier Dome before losing to number nine, Duke. Jim Beheim falling to Mike Krzyzewski once more. Carolina, of course, did get Cole Anthony back, but did not beat one of the lesser teams in the ACC. Boston College, the latest to go into the Smith Center and beat the Tar Heels. Carolina and the Wolfpack getting some worst of the weekend votes for a variety of reasons. You can jump in. Best of the weekend was all over the place. Duke, including Vernon Carey and Cassius Stanley. Louisville, led by sharpshooter Ryan McMahon at PNC Arena. FSU, led by one of the best players in this league, the understated and relatively unheralded compared to guys like Vernon Carey at Duke and even Cole Anthony at UNC. Devin Vassell, 27 points, 7 out of 7 threes as the Seminoles continue to play as one of the best teams in the country in Blacksburg, 74-63 over the Hokies. Y'all know the deal. Three ACC teams are in great shape. Everybody else, including Syracuse, NC State, and Virginia Tech as bubble teams, they need help. They need wins. They need signature wins especially. Missed opportunities at home against the heavyweights was the theme of the weekend for the Pack, the Orange, and the Hokies. You can jump in on the best or worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe. It can be football-related. We expect a lot of those votes, but... In case you were only football-centric, Zion Williamson is looking like a star for the New Orleans Pelicans. He played in a Super Bowl Sunday matinee. New Orleans lost to Houston, but Zion is putting up great numbers, many much better than the naysayers had predicted. Celtics hammered the Sixers this weekend in Boston. The Toronto Raptors have won 11 games in a row and actually have the third-best record in the NBA behind only the Milwaukee Bucks and the L.A. Lakers. Beyond college basketball, we have new winners at a Grand Slam event, the Australian Open was taken by a guy that many believe will end up as the greatest of all time in men's tennis, Novak Djokovic, the 32-year-old from Serbia, won the men's singles title. That is his 17th Grand Slam championship behind only Roger Federer with 20, Rafael Nadal with 19. Djokovic is third on that list, but actually has winning records head-to-head -head against the two guys above him, and he's younger than both, a lot younger than Federer. Sophia Kennan, a 21-year-old American woman, got her first-ever Grand Slam victory. That was another best of the weekend from a little bit off the gridiron trail. The Carolina Hurricanes did not look good Friday night. They did look a lot better yesterday in a shootout win over Vancouver. That got a mixed bag, more best of the weekend than not, given that the good news happened yesterday and the bad news was on Friday night. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best part of the game, the worst part of the game? What was the best ad you saw, the worst ad you saw? USA Today has an annual ad meter, and I'll just tell you what was first and what was last. So there were 62 different ads measured in this annual survey that USA Today does. You can find it at their website as we speak. And they rank them based on reaction from people like us, 1 through 62. Usually, my opinions look nothing like America's opinions. I don't know if I'm just a strange dude or I just have atypical preferences for such things, whatever. This time, the ad meter actually reflected my feelings fairly well. Number one, one of my favorite actors of all time. Not my favorite movie, but a good one with Bill Murray as one of the stars. Bill Murray and his car commercial revisiting his role as TV guy Phil Connors in the Groundhog Day movie of many years ago. 
according to America, that was the most popular ad that ran during the 49ers Chiefs game. Number 62, dead last in the USA Today ad meter, was one of the political ads. There were two from both sides of the political spectrum, if you will. They were actually two of the three bottom-ranked ads, again, by America. I'm sure it was a scientific survey, making sure everyone was well-represented. Maybe, since we're a divided nation over J-Lo and Shakira, we are a united nation that the political ads finished at or near the bottom. And I mean both of those ads. Bill Murray was great. The, the political ads were not well-received. You can jump in on J-Lo and Shakira. You can jump in on Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and a lot of others in a winning effort. There was a great Kobe Bryant tribute in L.A., among other places in the NBA. Every player and coach at the Super Bowl, by the way, if you tuned in closer to game time, I thought it was cool that the NFL had a little crossover honoring of Kobe Bryant, who was an idol to many way beyond basketball, way beyond our country. Every player and coach on both teams lined up at their own 24-yard line. It was about a half hour before the kickoff between the Chiefs and the 49ers. That was just part of the NFL's Kobe Bryant tribute. Of course, LeBron took the microphone in L.A. before the Lakers game. More great stuff from the NBA in honoring Kobe Bryant, who, of course, died now more than a week ago in that helicopter crash in California. As we come to Jamie and Garner, Chris is in Wilmington, Kevin is in Burlington. I'm actually headed to Wilmington this week. Y'all know I love that part of our statewide listening audience. Not that I don't love the mountains. Shout out ESPN Asheville. I'm joining some of your celebrities on the radio later today. See you in Wilmington this Thursday. It is the Coach Bill Dooley Education Foundation Luncheon. Uh, the late great coach at UNC and Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. His amazing wife, Marie, is a big part of his ongoing education foundation. I am the master of ceremonies at that luncheon in Wilmington on Thursday. Some guy named Mac Brown is the featured speaker. I'm going to have to figure out who that is because I am asked to introduce him down there. Of course, I'm just kidding. I will see you at Cape Fear Community College in Wilmington. If you're in that part of the state or are willing to travel there, be a part of an, a fantastic organization. This is their first ever luncheon of this sort, although the foundation has done great things for many years. So I will see you in Wilmington rather than here on the radio on Thursday. Of course, we will provide a top-level guest host in my absence. Charles Hadley is in for Darren Vaught as the producer of The David Glenn Show. Intern Will is a rising star in the sports broadcasting industry, and he is the first voice you'll hear if you dial 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw on or off the field or even in the commercials at the Super Bowl? Who reacted most extremely toward J-Lo and Shakira? And what about the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and other stories on the field? Was Jimmy Garoppolo that bad? Or was Patrick Mahomes that good? I'm not sure he was even the only worthy MVP candidate if you look at it from the Kansas City side of the fence. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the commercials. We'll talk about the halftime show. You can jump in on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. Quick news from the college football world. Duke just got a quarterback from the Clemson Tigers. 
and he might start for the Blue Devils later this year. No, it's not Trevor Lawrence, of course. I'm pretty sure he's sticking with Dabo and the Tigers. But the Devils needed a quarterback to plug in. They just got one, as announced, in the last, uh, I think, 24 hours. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? Super Bowl, tennis, golf, college hoops, of course. What was the worst thing you saw, and what made it that? I'll give you more of mine, and we'll come straight to your calls at 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music for right. that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on The David Glenn Show. <laughs> I didn't really sleep last night, um, but I didn't spend it with a trophy. Well, I did. I, I, spent, it with, I spent it with my trophy wife. How's that? Put up, up. Little Andy Reid for you. We're coming to your calls now. I'm offering you my best and worst of the weekend thoughts. We are welcoming yours from not only Super Bowl 54, Andy Reid, the toast not only of Kansas City, he was about as universally respected a figure that participated in Super Bowl 54. And in his 20, 222nd career victory, he got something that had eluded him for the first 20 years of his head coaching career in Philly for 14 years and these last seven now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Keep in mind as we come to Kevin and Chris and Jamie and you, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? Wolfpack basketball, Carolina basketball, and others, some on the 49ers, some J-Lo and Shakira worst of the weekend, some Super Bowl commercials worst of the weekends. Best of, where you'd guess, a lot of Super Bowl, a little NBA, a little college basketball, some Carolina Hurricanes, Webb Simpson won on the PGA Tour, Novak Djokovic and American Sophia Kennan won at the Australian Open. Bill Murray's Groundhog Day ad was number one in the USA Today ad meter and one of those in my inbox as a best of the weekend. The political ads tended to rank at the bottom, both political ads in USA Today's ad meter. One was dead last at number 62. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? For me, it starts with Andy Reid. And as we come to Kevin and Chris and Jamie and you, what was the best thing you saw and why? What was the worst thing you saw and why anywhere over these last three days since we were together on Friday? The longest any head coach had to wait prior to getting his first Super Bowl title, prior to Andy Reid, and this is year 21, when you are in your 60s, you don't know how much longer you're going to coach. We live in a world where plenty of guys are in their 70s, right? When Duke played Syracuse in college basketball this weekend, those were two 70-something guys on the sidelines already in the Hall of Fame. Mike Krzyzewski, almost 73. Jim Beheim already 75. Andy Reid's, quote, only in his early 60s. But I'll bet when he took the Eagles to the Super Bowl in 2004, he didn't think then that would be the last time he got there. Or even beyond that, he wouldn't think it would be 16 years for a guy who usually takes his teams to the playoffs, Philly and KC. You just never know when your opportunity is going to knock again. Life doesn't work that way, right? We get these regular reminders, Kobe Bryant's passing among the most real of those reminders. You're not sure you're going to get tomorrow, much less next season, much less a great opportunity, much less a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes in Andy Reid's case. Everybody that I know in Philadelphia, my hometown, still roots for Andy Reid, even though he couldn't take the Eagles to the promised land. 
Every former and current player I've heard of Andy Reid was rooting for him as one of the reasons they were pulling for the Chiefs. Some Chiefs fans, duh. But the much bigger number didn't really have a dog in this hunt. But we're picking the Chiefs or hoping for the Chiefs because they wanted to see Andy Reid, whose body of work had led him to number six on the all-time NFL wins list, and he was the only one of those six that did not have a single Super Bowl title. All of the others had multiple Super Bowl titles or multiple NFL championships, as they used to call it. I'm a believer in those who treat people the right way. I'm a supporter and admirer, and I respect those who work and live that way. I'm also an admirer of somebody who just sticks to it. I'm an admirer of somebody who doesn't show his or her worst side at the worst times. Andy Reid's been through a lot of trials and tribulations. If you don't know about his personal life, you heard him joking about his trophy wife there. He lost one of his own sons after just a series of horrible drug addiction-related problems. That's personal adversity. Professional adversity is different, of course, and pales in comparison to losing your child. But this is a guy who had been to the playoffs 15 times. 15 times. Unless your name is Bill Belichick, if you're a fan of 21st century NFL football, I mean the last 20 years, right? Two decades. Unless your name is Bill Belichick, your resume is no longer any better than Andy Reid's. And his general body of work which smart people respected, was sometimes ridiculed by the naysayers. You'll never win the big one. In these parts, there's a Hall of Fame coach named Dean Smith who took over at UNC in basketball in the early 1960s. I was not around for all of this, but I read about it. I didn't come along until 1987, and fortunately I get to meet Coach Smith, interview him regularly, and I was around when he won the second of his two NCAA titles. Do you know what the conversation was in the early 80s in our state? I don't mean everybody, but the anybody but Carolina crowd. Oh, Dean Smith's going to keep stacking victories. He's going to keep going to Final Fours. He's going to keep going to Sweet 16s. He's going to keep winning ACC regular seasons. He's going to keep winning ACC tournaments. He's going to end up at or near the top of the all-time wins list, but he's going to choke in the big games. That was the conversation around a guy who had built for 20-plus years one of the best resumes beyond UCLA's John Wooden at the time in all of college basketball. And yet he was the choke artist. He was the guy that would never win the big one. Well, he did, famously in 1982 with Michael Jordan and James Worthy and Sam Perkins. He did again in 1993. I was around to cover that one. Andy Reid was an NFL version of that story. Smart basketball people knew who Dean Smith was. And lazy, cheap shot, lazy, ignorant, cheap shot artists were taking their shots at Dean Smith. It was the 1980s version of the message board warrior, the Twitter tough guy, most of whom have never accomplished anything in their lives and maybe never will, but find it easy to take lazy, ignorant, cheap shots, uneducated, at some of the best ever to do what they do on a big stage, as they tweet from grandma's basement. Andy Reid just certified his place in NFL history. Andy Reid just guaranteed, essentially, his Hall of Fame induction someday. And Andy Reid did it while being among the most universally respected guys that I have seen in any of the sports that I've covered over the years. Two of Andy Reid's former assistant coaches beat him to the Super Bowl title. 
Jim Har- John Harbaugh did it with the Baltimore Ravens, former Andy Reid assistant. Doug Peterson, of course, did it in Philly with the Eagles, former Andy Reid assistant. Andy Reid's fingerprints were all over the Super Bowl that the Eagles won two years ago. He helped the Eagles pick Doug Peterson. He convinced Nick Foles not to retire. Remember, Nick Foles was ready to be a minister. And Andy Reid said, dude, you've got some football left in you. I don't know if it's going to be with me in Kansas City, but you got to keep playing. You can not only be good, you can be really good. And he was, of course, including the Super Bowl MVP of a couple years ago. The critics, the naysayers, are never going to give Andy Reid sort of secondhand assistance, uh, you know, secondhand credit for his assistance in those other contexts or for those 222 career wins. Even they have to give him credit for this Super Bowl title. He waited 21 years. Bill Cowher of the Steelers, the second longest wait in the history of the NFL. He was in year 14 as a head coach before he broke through with Pittsburgh. That doesn't sound like a crazy time. There are others. You know, Tony Dungy took like 10 or 11 years as a head coach and then broke through. You know, Mike Krzyzewski was hired at Duke in the early 80s, and then he won back-to-back titles in the early 90s. That doesn't feel like forever. It actually sounds like a reasonable building time. You can't be great like a mic, you know, flick of a light switch or just microwave national champions. It takes a while. Coach K got to the ultimate game in 86, and then five years later he breaks through with Leitner and Hurley and Grand Hill and those guys. It usually takes a while. 21 years was a long time, more Dean Smith-like, and that's why Andy Reid, for all of those personal and professional reasons, is my personal best of the weekend. Kevin is in Burlington, and next up on Best and Worst of the Weekend, you can follow by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Kevin, welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Hey, Kevin, what's going on? Kevin, are you with me? Steven is in Wilson and next on the David Glenn Show. You can put Kevin on hold if you like. Steven is in Wilson. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, what's up, David? Good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. What's on your mind? All right, buddy. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw myself to the wolves here for a second, but by far the best of the weekend. I had no skin in the game last night, but, uh, but J-Lo and Shakira certainly did, and it was fantastic. <laughs> J-Lo and Shakira uh, certainly had skin in the game. That is an outstanding, that's an outstanding turn of phrase by you there, Steven. Did you play in that all weekend? Much. That was well done. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But uh, here's what I'm going to say for the worst, and, uh, and this is why I love my wife because she's the one who pointed it out. But the same women who were drooling over Adam Levine last year in his shirtless, low pants, dripping with sweat, who were loving it all over social media, are the same ones I'm seeing talking about how trashy they were last night. And I, I'm just calling. I'm putting the call on it. I'm saying that hypocrisy, man. It's funny. So my, wife, the lo- my wife, the lovely and talented Maria, may be a little bit like your wife personality-wise. Because she had no problem with the Adam Levine thing. I didn't check to see if Maria was drooling last year, but she enjoyed the show. She also enjoyed this show. And she kind of rolled her eyes at some of those who called it, you know, morally indecent or unacceptable or what, what a strip club, you know, kind of thing. I, I'm, you know, my bottom line actually is more like yours or your wife's. I would never tell somebody where they should fall on like the puritanism scale. You know, you, some people believe that you go to Europe, European beaches and, you know, there are just people, there are women topless all the time and many in the European culture think we're crazy and we're just too wrapped tight to, on matters of sexuality and we're the ones that are just getting it wrong in unhealthy ways. 
and others say that they're the ones who get it wrong. And how dare you expose my children to your exposed breasts on a beach in Europe or otherwise? How dare J-Lo and Shakira? I let people make their own decisions on where they are on the wide open at one end of the spectrum scale or the puritanism at the other extreme. Most of us, of course, fall somewhere in the middle. I'm just bothered by the hypocrisy as well. Like if, if, you, if your phrase of the day while J-Lo and Shakira were doing their thing at the Super Bowl 54 halftime show, if your phrase of the day was moral decency, I would ask you to consider this. If you use the phrase moral decency regarding a halftime show that is one day a year and they're not all risque, right? How long did that halftime show take? How long did it take? Not long, right? If you get bent out of shape and throw around all of your moral decency weight for a once a year event, but you vote for people who personify sexism and bigotry and racism and greed and vulgarity and dishonesty and corruption and anger and pettiness and childish name calling and all sorts of outrageously despicable things every day. You tolerate all that, but the once a year show that shows a little more skin, that brings out the moral decency phrase? That, folks, is hypocrisy with capital letters, italicized, underlined, and most of the uneducated Americans that I know who feel that way have absolutely no idea of their own double standard. I say, J-Lo and Shakira, you know what? You're adults. You're adults. This, nobody was tricked into this. This is not human trafficking. <laughs> Women there against their will. They're adults. I was entertained. If that makes me a bad guy, that's okay. I was entertained by Adam Levine and the rest of them last year. I don't care whose shirt is on, whose fanny is exposed or whatever. There's a line, of course, but my children were not damaged by the way they were raised in the Glenn household. And I guarantee you that my children are impacted far more by what they see every single day from their own parents, from their political leaders and others, who are either setting a standard against sexism and misogyny and bigotry and racism, or in some cases are personifying them every single day. Those of you who are in an outrage over the once a year Super Bowl halftime show, but have your ostrich heads in the sand for the everyday insanity, that is hypocrisy in its worst form and that is also among my worst of the weekends. We'll get to Chris. We'll get to Jamie. We'll get to you. 1-800-849-2761. Again, you can have your opinion about whether J-Lo and Shakira crossed some kind of line in your eyes. That's just your opinion. You're not right or wrong. If you have that opinion, but you put up with other, that other stuff, or you enable it, or you vote for it, that's a joke. And that's a worst of the weekend. We're back after this. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Chris is in Wilmington. Jamie's in Garner. You can join us with your best or worst of the weekend. A guy who played for Andy Reid, Al Wallace, formerly of your Carolina Panthers and Andy Reid's Philadelphia Eagles, among others. Al joins us live in about 25 minutes. Best and worst of the weekend calls resume. More of mine with more of yours. Andy Reid leads my best of the weekend. Hypocrites. Lead my worst of the weekend. You can chime in on the halftime show, the Super Bowl commercials, the game itself, some college basketball, or some things beyond that at 1-800-849-2761. One thing I promised as we go to Chris in Wilmington and Jamie and you, Duke has a new quarterback. The Clemson Tigers have a guy named Trevor Lawrence. He is staying there for his junior year as the Tigers are once again expected to be the ACC football favorite and maybe uh, another trip to the college football playoff. They seem to make it every year under Dabo Sweeney, and they're, they're at five ACC football titles and counting. When you looked around the ACC, as we come to your best and worst of the weekend, you knew Sam Howe is back for his sophomore year at Carolina, right? You know Miami, maybe you might know that they got a Houston graduate transfer named Derek King, who's supposed to be a dual threat and help the Hurricanes program. You know, Louisville had a quarterback named Malik Cunningham for Coach Satterfield this year. He's back for another year. Wake lost Jamie Newman. He transferred to Georgia, but Sam Hartman also has started for them. He's back for his junior year. So you go all over the league or all over the state, and you can project who the starting quarterback is almost at every school. And I did this for some writing I'm doing for ACCSports.com and The Athletic Carolina recently. New power rankings today on ACC basketball at both of those websites if you want to check them out. And Duke was one of the only schools that I could not figure out who their starting quarterback was going to be. Like, I had listed 12 or 13 out of the 14 programs, and I knew a lot about the guy who's going to be their starter. So Quentin Harris was the senior for Duke who graduated, so it's not going to be him. And some of their younger guys have been dealing with injuries, and some of their more talented guys are going to be true freshmen. And that's kind of a hard thing to pull off unless, you know, you're Phillip Rivers at NC State all those years ago. And sure enough, Duke needed a quarterback. Clemson backup Chase Bryce needed a, an opportunity. He don't want to just finish his career backing up Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, right? So he's a grad transfer. Those rules allow you to play right away. And Chase Bryce is going to work under the quarterback's guru, David Cutcliffe. He's the rare grad transfer, kind of like when Cam Johnson left Pitt for UNC in basketball. He had two years of eligibility despite graduating from his previous school. That's not easy. That's like a three-year graduation track. And then you get two more years of eligibility at your new school right away. Chase Bryce fits that description. So he's going to be a junior eligibility-wise. And I, he's, I think he's immediately the front runner to be the Blue Devils' starting quarterback. Kristen Wilmington brings us back to Super Bowl 54. Some loved J-Lo and Secura at halftime. Some all saw it as symbolic of the moral decline of our nation or even all of civilization. Chris, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. What's up, David? Um, <laughs> so I just want to touch on Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. Yeah. I just feel like he, he had arguably the worst game of his career. <laughs> still takes, so is it, just a, is it a QB award now? Because in my opinion, it should have went to a defensive player that was on the opposite side of the field. I don't, Bosa. I don't think you're crazy at all. Now, you know how it, – it's in fact, it's funny you brought up Bosa of the 49ers, who was awesome. Like, that guy's got no regrets, or he shouldn't if he does. Uh, just as we can say for, like, MVP awards or, you know, I have votes in ACC or National Player of the Year awards in college basketball, there are things that we know are true. And one is for even Heisman Trophy. Quarterbacks matter a lot, right? 
Go look at the history of the Heisman Trophy. You're rarely going to see defensive players on there. It has happened. But even a great running back is going to lose out most of the time to a great quarterback. It's the quarterback a huge majority of the time. So I, I believe you're right, Chris. I think you could have made a great case. Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, was batting down passes, stuffing the run, harassing Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know he would not have been an MVP candidate, but toward the end, Terrell Suggs, the 37-year-old edge rusher uh, for the Chiefs, that was the guy, remember, who that when he became a free agent, he told everybody, if anybody besides the Ravens, his former team, claims me, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to sign. Remember that? And Andy Reid and the Chiefs talked him out of that. Hey, man, I, I know why your heart is in Baltimore. We get that you want to hook up with the Ravens. They had Lamar Jackson going. He, he, of course, officially became the MVP this weekend. Suggs was looking at chasing another Super Bowl with his former team, right? So instead, he does sign with the Chiefs. He does get talked into it. Again, not an MVP candidate. He made huge plays and harassed Jimmy Garoppolo down the stretch of that game. I think, Chris, your starting point is right. Mahomes gets all benefit of the doubt because he's a quarterback. And to be fair, he gets a lot of credit because were it not for three straight touchdown drives down 10 points in the fourth quarter, we're not talking about a Chiefs victory today. So the strongest argument you can make is that no matter how, many, how well a Chiefs defensive player played, the Chiefs were still down 10 in the fourth quarter with their season on the line. And Patrick Mahomes, against one of the best defenses in the NFL, led three straight touchdown drives. That's the gist of his award. But I don't think you're crazy for bringing up the idea that quarterbacks often get too many benefits of the doubt. Patrick Mahomes, at 24 years old, by the way, the youngest QB ever to be named Super Bowl MVP. Only he and Tom Brady did that before the age of 25. And when it comes to the number one reason that Mahomes got the benefit of the doubt, it's at, if you want to call it 1B, he's a quarterback on the winning team is 1A. 1B would be this. Do you know how many Super Bowl teams in history scored 21 points in the fourth quarter? In the history of a game that is now 40, 54 years old. Answer, one. There is one team that's ever scored 21 points in the fourth quarter of any Super Bowl, and it is the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs who just did it with their season on the line, and they not only got three touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, they got them all in like the last six minutes and change. So that, Mahomes was the quarterback, the engineer of those three touchdown drives against that elite defense while down 10. The Chiefs went. From at one point, you know how the computers have those win probabilities? And you can just click it at any time. You know, early it might be 51% to 49%. At its lowest point, the Kansas City Chiefs had a 3.9%, under 4% chance of winning that game against the 49ers. That's what happens when you're down 10 and there's six minutes and change to go. He led those three touchdown drives. He did it against, you know, the celebrated coordinator, Robert Sala, the fantastic defense over, what, 18, uh, 19 games, the San Francisco 49ers. Mahomes ends up with three touchdowns, almost 300 yards passing, so it's not exactly chopped liver. And the Chiefs end up with an amazing record. When trailing by double digits this year, when they trailed within a game by 10 or more points, the Chiefs won five, went 5-0. Oh. They won all five, including all three playoff games. 
three straight. Patrick Mahomes, of course, deserves the bulk of the credit for that. Tyreek Hill had the huge catch when the Chiefs were hanging by a thread, but also a great throw by Mahomes. Sammy Watkins, the former Clemson star, had a huge catch behind Richard Sherman a little bit later, 38 yards. Damian Williams had one receiving touchdown, one rushing touchdown. So there was plenty of love to spread around from Andy Reid through those KC defensive players, through that supporting cast on offense. But Patrick Mahomes was central to making the magic happen, and that's probably the best argument you can make for him as the Super Bowl MVP. MVP of the NFL last year, MVP of the Super Bowl this year. There are not a lot of players in history who have both of those awards. To get them both prior to 25 is just insane. Patrick Mahomes, a best of the weekend, even if you didn't think he was the Super Bowl MVP. More of your favorite commercials and those that you liked the least. More on J-Lo and Shakira, the Divided Nation halftime show. More of your phone calls on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. Jamie will be first. You can be next. What was the best or worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what separates three disappointed college basketball teams? NC State and Syracuse and Virginia Tech all missed opportunities at home versus ACC heavyweights this weekend. Pack lost to Louisville. Syracuse lost to Duke. Virginia Tech lost to Florida State. Now, those three losers are still in the hunt for NCAA tournament at-large bids, but, of course, they missed an opportunity for a signature victory. I would not lump all three's hopes into the same basket. I will explain as we come back to your calls. Best and worst of the weekend, Super Bowl and beyond, next on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. You know? However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. You're the MVP of Super Bowl 54. Where are you going? Something I've wanted to say my whole life. I'm going to Disney World. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Patrick Mahomes actually tweeted many, many years ago. Wouldn't it be cool to be the guy who gets to say, I'm going to Disney World as the Super Bowl MVP? Yeah. For the other hundred million people who dreamed of that as a little kid or a young man, Patrick Mahomes is the one who actually pulled it off. Fourth quarter comeback versus an elite San Fran defense. Down 10, three straight touchdown drives, 21 straight points in the final six minutes and 13 seconds. Again, the only team in Super Bowl history with 21 points in the fourth quarter. He had plenty of help. Andy Reid is my starting point for best of the weekend. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo played poorly enough to be a worst of the weekend. But I will point out this, as others want in on the J-Lo Shakira halftime show, some thought it was awesome, others thought it reflected the moral decline of all civilization. Commercials, the best Bill Murray in the car, the car commercial, reflecting on his TV guy Phil Connors in Groundhog Day. The USA Today ad meter again had the political ads as two of the worst three in Super Bowl 54. So that's coming from both sides of the political spectrum. J-Lo and Shakira, also an example of our divided nation. Jamie and Garner has a new best and worst of the weekend beyond the NFL and college basketball stuff that we've gotten to. The one big difference, I promised, among the three college hoops teams that lost at home against ACC heavyweights, Virginia Tech probably doesn't have enough horses 
to make an NCAA tournament run. Maybe. I'll be happy for them if they do. They just, in year one under Mike Young, don't have enough dudes. They have a really good freshman, redshirt freshman named Landers Nolly. He's a star. They lost by 11 to Florida State. It's another missed opportunity for a resume builder. And the Hokies fall a little further from the NCAA tournament bubble picture. Unlike Virginia Tech, the two other teams that lost under somewhat similar circumstances, Syracuse had Duke up at the Carrier Dome. They lost. NC State had Louisville at PNC Arena. The Wolfpack lost. I believe both State and Syracuse have the horses to make a run. It's one thing to be the coach like Mike Young. Man, if you get there, you overachieved even more than we've already given you credit for overachieving. My ACC midseason coach of the year. He's taken the Hokies after the Buzz Williams departure from picked near the bottom to being really good and competitive. Will he get enough wins? I'm guessing not, but it's not really his fault. It's one thing if you don't get there because you just inherited a bare cupboard and you had to slap together. I think he has six freshmen in his top nine. I mean, that's not, that's not the easy road to an NCAA tournament bid. Jim Beheim and Kevin Keats have enough horses to make a run at an NCAA tournament bid. And we do have a month left of regular season basketball. It's not like losing to Louisville or losing to Duke crushes the hopes of the Wolfpack or the Orange. We've seen these things turn on a dime many times. But that's why State and Syracuse fans, I believe, have more reason for optimism. If you have the horses, you have a chance. If you don't have the horses, I'm just betting on your slide to, to continue. And that, by the way, applies to the majority of the 15-team ACC. Duke, Louisville, and Florida State, whatever order you want to put them, are going to be high seeds in the big dance. Everybody else needs more big wins just to get invited. Somebody asked me, when's the last time only one member of the ACC's Big Four here in North Carolina made the NCAA tournament? I knew off the top of my head, it hasn't happened since 1987 when I started covering this league. There's always more than one among Duke, State, Carolina, and Wake. You got to go back to when I was a little kid in Philadelphia. It was 1976. The last time only one of the big four made the NCAA tournament. Now, Duke is in, obviously. NC State still has a chance. The Tar Heels took another huge step backward, losing to Boston College. Jamie and Garner, you're next on Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go ahead. Hey, DG, thanks for having me on. Sure, man. Uh, just wanted to start out by saying we have something in common in, in the mere fact that we both married a wonderful and talented Maria. Nice. So if your Maria is anything like mine, kudos to, to us both, my friend. Amen. Right back at you, brother. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that's it? Uh, so, uh, okay, go ahead. No, nah, so best, best of the weekend. Uh, I, I tip my cap to, to Webb Simpson. Uh, I was really rooting for, for Tony Finau this weekend to pull through, um, you know, remembering Kobe on all four of his rounds once he got to 16. That was well done. Strong. I, I, I'm up yeah. against the clock. He also was nominating referee Jamie Lucky for that call at the end of the Carolina game as a worst of the weekend. Finau and Webb Simpson went to a playoff. Webb won. I salute both. Best of the weekend style. Al Wallace on Andy Reid next. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.